You don't think today is your day to die. I really couldn't talk much because I couldn't breathe. I didn't want to say anything to anybody. You're taught to zip it and fuck it up. You're going to be all right anyway. Stop holding your head. She was the beginning of what was going to change my life forever. This world is moving around the sun. The moon's moving around us. All these things are moving in like in a beautiful dance, a graceful dance. And we're part of that dance. Everything is the way it needs to be. Everything is right. Yes. Life doesn't own you. Yes. You own life. Oh, yes, Jose. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you own it. it. Take it. You live it. Yes. It. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's simple, right? So simple. So yeah. simple. <laughs> oh, my God. It is so simple. It's it's so simple, Jose, to the extreme that people tend to overcomplicate it. Hello, beautiful. I'm Rebecca Davi, and you're listening to The Rebecca Davi Show, empowering people around the world. Sometimes the path is a little difficult. Yeah. So we got to be kind of like good with all that. Taking us back, what was it like on a day when you had the near-death experience? You don't think today is your day to die. Especially if you're like pretty healthy or you think you're healthy. And I, I remember getting up. It was a cloudy day in Miami. It was winter. It was January, January 5th to be exact. And uh, my breathing had really deteriorated to a point where, and, and I don't, I, I usually don't share this part, but I, I had gone to visit my father's grave during the Christmas week. And yeah. And I felt like I needed to get some things in order because I, I just didn't feel well. I didn't want to say anything to anybody. With You're taught to zip it and fuck it up. And you're going to be all right anyway. Stop holding your head. And uh, I felt pretty bad. And I asked my wife to take me to the hospital. And, and the drive was very solemn. I really couldn't talk much because I couldn't breathe. Mm-hmm. And uh, my son came with her. And I remember getting to the hospital. By the time I got there, I, I waited most of the day. And uh, for some reason, you feel worse at night. Uh, in fact, uh, I think most people die at night. More people die at night than in the day. Uh, and I, I don't know why, but I felt really bad. They took me to the hospital. I got there. I got to the emergency room. And they said, oh, we got to do some tests. I think we're going to keep you overnight. So I told my wife and my son to go home. There's no sense you guys being here. It'll be fine. You know, everything's going to be okay, right? So they left. And the nurse said to me, here's your little button. If you feel anything or you need help with anything, just push that and we'll be right here. And then it's kind of funny because while she's telling me that, I'm already like thinking I should push this button. She's right next to me. Mm-hmm. Because I really felt bad, but I didn't want to show that. They had already put an IV on me and they were giving me a bunch of steroids and stuff. And uh, I waited about 45 minutes. And during that 45 minutes, the only thing I was thinking about was, man, I should push this button. I feel really bad. And then I kept telling myself, no, it's so just relax. Take, try to take a deep breath and nothing's going to happen. You're going to be fine. You're always fine. You always get past this, right? And uh, I waited, pushed the button. When I hit the button, it took about a minute before the nurse came in. Mm. But man, that felt like an hour. By that time, I could, couldn't 
brief. So I couldn't let whatever was spent out and I couldn't take anything in. It was like, uh, mm. and I could just hear that. That noise still creeps me out. That And uh, she opened the door. She just looked at me. She didn't even come in. She just hit the cold blue on the wall. When she hit that cold blue, I'm looking at her and it's registering in my mind. Like, did she just hit that cold blue? And it just got surreal. Crash team is what we call them here. They, they all come running into the room. And uh, I remember what, what I first thought was shame. For a lot of reasons, I'm a man. I can't help myself. Uh, that's not the way we're taught to be. And then the next part was that I had a sheet. And I was trying to hang on to that sheet so tight. And I was so weak that they just pulled it off of me like nothing and stripped me down. And I felt so ashamed and so vulnerable. Then they lift me up. They put this board under me and they put me back on. And they're trying to save my life. They're putting IVs, they're doing all kinds of stuff. They're trying to put this thing, trying to shove air down you and it's not working. And I start thinking about my kids. And I thought of my children. And I thought, what if this is real? And what if I never see them again? By now it's two o'clock in the morning. They don't even know this is happening to me. And even if they did, they'll never get back in time. So I felt this tremendous knot. And I mean, I, I got, it just felt so physical, mm. like despair. Like, I'll never see them again. I, you know, it, I was desperate. And uh, then I kind of try to settle down a little bit. No, you're going to be okay. It's going to be all right. It's not going to be like that. But that thing just, it, it, it felt like I fell. And I got to the lowest point in my life. Like, you can't get any lower. There was nothing left. I was just worried that I'll never see anybody that I love and, and that I didn't get a chance to say goodbye. Then all these regrets, right? What I didn't do, what I should have done, what I should have said, what I didn't say. That happens very quickly. And a lot mm. of thoughts go through your mind in a very short time. Wow. And uh, the next thing, I begin to feel this tremendous sense of fear because I can't breathe. And everything they're trying is really not making anything better. So I, I got this tremendous sense of fear. And then I started thinking, I'm gonna die and I'm gonna be shut off like a light. Like somebody's gonna shut off a switch and I'm just gonna go dark and disappear. I didn't believe in God. I didn't believe in afterlife. I, I didn't believe in none of that stuff. I thought that was fear-based, a fear-based kind of, Religion to me, I, I still wrestle with that part of it. I don't need to be threatened with going to hell. I, you know, we're trying the best we can sometimes as human beings, right? I want to hold somebody's hand so bad. And I can't speak. So I can't say, somebody, please hold my hand. But I could reach out and grab somebody's hand if I want to. But then I'm thinking about my dad. And I'm saying, oh man, he's gonna turn in his grave. If he finds out I'm showing these people, I'm afraid. And 
I mean, I grew up in the South Bronx in a really tough community and I grew up to be pretty tough. I, mm -hmm. I became an alpha male. Uh, we didn't show fear. We didn't show emotion, we didn't cry, we were pretty hard. And that was what he taught me was the cornerstone of survival and being a man. So here I am dying and I'm afraid. I mean, scared to death, literally. And I can't hold somebody's hand because I thought of him. And then I made, I remember just stiffening, saying, nope, I can't let these people see it, I'm afraid. Mm. And I, I didn't, my face, I could see my face just become neutral. Then I started thinking about God. And I said, what if, what if God was real? And then I started saying, well, let's just, if, let's see if he's real. And I said, God, if you're real, this, this is your chance to kind of show me, prove mm -hmm. to me you're real. And if you do, I promise I'm going to change my ways. I'm going to be a good guy. I used to mess around a lot. I was uh, uh, a kid from the streets. And even though I, I had become an engineer and all that, I still had a lot of that in me. And uh, I promise I would change. I used to uh, have a few women around, you know, so I was like a, a, a regular Hispanic guy growing up in, in, in a community, mm -hmm. living what we were taught was the way it was supposed to be. I waited a minute. Well, it felt like a minute. It might have been only a few seconds because everything was happening so fast, but it felt so long. I waited and nothing happened. And I said, freak you. I knew you weren't real. What am I doing? It, it felt like I fell forever at that point. And I started thinking about potentially passing. Then I'm thinking about my, <laughs> my senses and I hear the IV drip. And it sounds like water splashing on a tin roof is like flash, 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 flash. I'm like, what is that? And I look at the wall and I can see the gray in the wallpaper. And in my mind, I'm terrified. But at the same time, I'm incredibly curious about what's going on. Mm -hmm. And then I start thinking about the way I grew up my father and I said to myself I'm not quitting and I'm not giving up there's no shame in this it, I grew up in a world where that would be shameful to quit and give up right so I said I'm not quitting and I'm not giving up but I can't stop this and the minute I said that my heart went going crazy anyway from all the meds they were giving me to try to keep me alive because you can't breathe, it just keeps beating faster and faster and faster, trying to get mm. oxygen through your body. And uh, you hear it stop. They got the monitors on, and then you feel that thud. The realization of what just happened is you're aware of it. You're like, oh God, my heart just stopped, I'm, I'm dead. And then I said, there's no shame in this. I'm, not, I'm still not giving up, but I'm not quitting, but I can't stop this from happening. I finally said to myself, you know what, Jose, it's okay to die. 
when I said it's okay to die, you can see the, the frame of the door up in front of me. And it was so bright. And there was a shadow there. And the shadow moved. That was feminine energy to me. It was, I, I don't know. I could describe it now as an angel, but I wouldn't have mm. that. She just moved through there and she reached out and she touched me. When she touched me, I felt perfect. I could breathe. I just felt this incredible sense of love and peace and calm and this wind, a warm wind blowing in. I got crazy long hair. I'm thinking, oh, my, my hair is flying all over the place. It was a crazy visual. And I felt like it was lifting me and lifting me. And then the next thing I know, I'm standing in the corner of the room and I'm watching the people trying to keep me alive. They're trying to intubate me. They're trying to do all these things. Wow. So was, was that you in the, in the spiritual realm, seeing yourself in the physical realm? Yeah. Wow. And it's crazy. It was like, and this was what changed my life really to this day. Yeah. I looked at myself and I said, that's me and I'm dead. But if that's me, then who am I? Because everything that I need to do what I'm doing is in that body, my brain, my eyes. And it just came like that. How could I see? How could I be thinking? And then I heard a voice on my left, a feminine, a feminine voice, a woman. And she said to me, think of your body as if it was a car. And your car has 5 million miles on it and we can't fix it anymore. So now you need to take a bite. So I just finished saying it was okay to die. You know, I, I kind of felt like I just gave my life. And I was asking me to leave my body, say goodbye to it. And I felt like, wow. But anyway, what happened was I looked at my body. And for the first time, that body was perfect. I felt so much love and compassion for that body, for that person, for that people. And so grateful for the opportunity that it gave me to live that life in that body, despite all the things that were wrong, that I thought were wrong, despite all the rough patches that I had in life, right? That body went through it with me no matter what, good or bad, it was always there for me. I started getting these memories of holding my little brother's hand, seeing my children when they looked at me when they were small when children are small and they look at you and they, they, that love that they have is so like it's almost like a living thing it just moves right through it touches you it grabs you and I started thinking about stuff like that a little kiss a hug birds singing you know little moments that had been totally most for most of my life unimportant and man, did I love that body for giving me the opportunity to have that. And I felt perfect. I wasn't sure. I, was, I wasn't ugly. I was a beautiful being. And for the first time, I saw what was good in me instead of what was bad. There was no more mirror. And the voice says to me, okay, now we have to go. And I, I started walking with her. And I saw this big, like a black hole in the ground. And I went and I fell and I started feeling this thing ripping at me. And uh, it was the only time that I felt, had a painful experience. I hit the bottom, I landed and she says, no, we gotta keep going. 
and again another one I went down and I felt the same thing when I hit the bottom this time I, I, I was in the middle of a ball and if you can imagine a ball of color, color all around it everywhere and it's moving and it's laughing and it's happy and it's talking to you in a million voices and all I hear is that chatter like but what's amazing about it is that it accepted me totally there was no judgment, there was nothing but pure acceptance. And I felt like I was moving towards it or it was moving towards me. I can't never, I, I'll never know which. But all of a sudden I was in the color and I became color. And I could hear the color talking to me and it, I just felt so loved and so cared for and so held. I didn't want to leave. And I'm hearing instructions on you're going to paint like this. You're going to start like this. You're going to start with a black canvas. You're going to start like this. This is why you're going to paint on a black canvas. And it, it, it was like a, an education. And the next thing I know, I'm on the other side of the color. And now what I see is this beautiful forest. And herds of animals just running all over the place. I could see the mountains, the distance, and, and the shadows that the clouds made. They were so like beautiful to me there. Something so simple as a shadow of cloud man on a mound, like, it was so striking to me there. And I started thinking about my kids and I said, what's gonna happen to my kids? And the boy said to me, don't worry, you can see them from here. That made me feel like really good. I felt like I wasn't losing them. And then I said, I kind of got the thought like I'm flying. And the boy said, that's normal here. And I started on a journey of integration, of becoming one with everything I got near. So if I got near a tree, I could feel the heart of that tree. I could feel it pulling nutrients up from the ground. I could feel just alive. It was breathtaking. I could feel the air and become the air what I couldn't get in my lungs. Just, and the air was alive. Everything was alive. And that thought hit me. Now that I'm dead, everything is more alive than what I was experiencing when I was alive, when I, when I thought I was alive. And I experienced that transition of becoming and becoming and becoming. And I got a sense of what it was to be one with everything. Get to the top of this mountain, and I'm able to see over it. And I see the sun on my left, on my right, excuse me. And on the left is a cove, a beautiful beach. It's like a U. And I go back to look at the sun and I feel that warm air coming from it. And I can see flares. It's like I was looking through a telescope and I can see these flares coming out of it. So beautiful. And the warmth. And I said, even there, this, this warm air is what's lifting me. It's giving me lift. Give me this buoyancy. That's why I could fly. And then I looked back to the, my, my left and I looked at the beach and there was a man holding six children by his right hand in a, in a line and one on his left and they were all knee deep in the water. And I said to myself, I gotta go find out what that's about. So I went down and I get maybe 10 or 15 feet away. It's, it's hard to judge distance. 
kind of like I lost time. There was no time. And now distance was like also not like here. But it felt like I was about 10 or 15 feet away and he turned around. And when he turned around, it was my father. He had died five years before. When my father died, I felt a lot of guilt. Because he never hollered. I don't remember ever telling my dad in life that I loved him. And I don't remember him ever saying that to me. And in his mind, that was the way men were supposed to be. That was like his way. And I always felt so guilty about that. And worse, because he, he drank. And when he drank, he became pretty abusive. When I was about 13, I started to kind of like stick up for my mom. And we were always bumping heads. I became like her protector. Mm-hmm. And uh, worse, he wound up with cancer. That's what he died from, that lung cancer. Mm-hmm. And I felt so bad. I'll never be able to say what I felt. I'll never be able to tell anything ever. And that tore my life apart. I became very angry. I became a lot like him. And here I was looking at him. I'm going to say what I can say life. I'm going to say that I love you. And I'm going to hug you. And he said he loved me. And then I held him. I could tell he loved me. I knew he loved me. And even that he was proud of me that I went to college. I was the first in my family. But he never said that to me. And when I let go, there was this forgiveness that happened. So I went through this giving things up, right? I gave up my life. I gave up my body. I gave up. Everything that I knew, I gave up all my loved ones. And now here I am. And now I'm experiencing forgiveness. And this was the final letting go. All that pain stayed there. It just disintegrated. And I forgave myself. And when I forgave myself, I felt free. And he looked at me and he said, you know what, Jose, you got to go back. I'm looking at my dad like, are you crazy? I'm not going back. I like it here. And I always find that interesting because when I was dying, I didn't want to die. Now I'm dead and I don't want to come back. And he said, no, you don't get it. You got to go back. And I'm like, no, I don't want to go back. Anyway, I feel this tug, chest, but it's really from my back. I wind up back in my body. I open my eyes. I see a doctor. She moves back. She got shit. I think surprised. She was, she was doing CPR. And the next thing I know, I'm back with my dad. And he's looking at me. He's like, no, man, you don't get it. You got to go back. And I'm like, dad, I can't. I, I like it here. I don't want to go back. Despite my kids, despite everything that I love. And then he looked at me and he said, you know what? Let's make a deal. My father was always doing deals. Mm-hmm. So I looked at him and I said, okay, what's the deal? And he said to me, you know what, Jose? I promise you. 
the next time when it's your time. I promise I'm going to go get them. And I just looked at him. And that felt so like great. What a deal. How could I turn that down? And I looked at him and I got yes. And I feel that tug back in body. And now I'm feeling all this pain and the struggle. I feel trapped inside my body again. I'm not everything like I was. I feel oneness. I feel alone. And I felt so bad. Physically, but more spiritually and emotionally, because I said to myself, this is the first thought that went through my mind. Jose, were you such a shitty person? And even heaven just kind of kicked wow. And I was like, man, that was brutal. I wound up in hospital for three months. Prognosis is you're not going to leave here alive, take care of all your affairs. Every time they hit a cold blue, I panic. I'm saying, oh my God, that's going to be me again. And how am I going to go through that? Can I go through that again? And the fear would, I was so fearful. I, I was losing all my hope. I had no hope left. Only despair. And then I would think about those colors and that bowl. And I went there. I went there and I would just be in that bowl that was so embracing, so accepting of me, so non-judgmental. And I felt that it, it helped me. And that's what I would escape. Every time they had a cold blue and there are a lot of cold blues in the hospital. And a lot of people die. They come in and three hours later they lost their flight. And in, in ICU units, a lot of it is glass and you can see. And someone would come in and three hours later, that person is gone. And it makes you feel more hopeless. I started to get better. In my mind, it was because I went to that bowl with the colors. The colors are healing me. They, they keep me company, they talk to me because I couldn't talk about this to anybody. I was intubated for six weeks, I couldn't speak anymore. So when I got better and I could speak, there's a cardiologist, my cardiologist is in the room and I said to him, you know what? I think I went somewhere and he went like bananas. Mm. He was like, no, no, no. Your brain is still alive for two minutes after your heart stops. You got DMT. You got all these drugs we're giving you. He gave me like a million reasons why this was all in my head. And I already thought I was crazy because I, I, I wasn't sure if I had seen my dad anymore. I was like, was that even real? And now he confirmed it in a way. He said, oh, man, you're messed up, Jose. Your head is broken. Your mind is broken. Anyway, I left there. It took me about six months before I could walk. I came out of there like that. I lost about 30 pounds and I'm not, I'm not that big to begin with. 
and I decided I needed to get mental health. Cause I, I was hearing things, I was seeing all these things and the explanation was all these drugs. I was on a lot of medications and I came out addicted to a lot of medications. So they would give me medication to keep me calm because my heart, they wanted to keep my heart calm, right? Yeah. They, if it accelerated, they worried the same thing would happen. And I leave the hospital, they don't even tell you, like, you're, you're going to be addicted to all this stuff. So they give me all these scripts, and I'm like, oh, my God, I had, like, a, a, a desk full of medicine and oxygen and the whole thing. So it was almost like being in the hospital, but at home. And then every once in a while, someone would come see you. I went to see a mental health professional. And because I was in the hospital so long, I didn't know that they were supposed to have like a, someone see you while you were in hospital. When you have that kind of prognosis and you're there a long time, they typically send someone to talk to you. And I went to see a therapist and I'm seeing therapists for five or six years. My problem is, did I die? I had that experience. Was that real? Am I crazy? Am I not? And if I'm crazy, give me a happy pill so I can be better. I want to be myself. In the meantime, my marriage is disintegrating. My relationship with my children is, is, is not the same anymore. And the reason is because I'm not the same person. Yeah. You know, my wife was just like, I don't know who you are. You're not the guy I'm married. Made me feel really bad. But there was truth in those words. What a therapist, three years later, I'm sitting on a couch like for two people and the therapist looks at me and I've been going there for the years and I don't talk very much. I'm so, like, weather, it's hot. You're in Florida, it's always hot, whatever, right? And I didn't say much and I always was worried about what they were writing. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking, what are they writing about me? You know, maybe they're writing that I'm crazy and that's going to impact my, the rest of my life. So I was very concerned. But anyway, I'm sitting on this sofa and she was young, my therapist. And she sat next to me and she just took my hand. She held my hand. And I'm to tell you, it was like a riveting event. The fact that she held my hand and I was in that bed dying. And all I felt was that fear and wanting someone to hold my hand in that. It just felt, there was so com much compassion in that. It made me feel so human. Mm -hmm. And I cried. I hadn't cried in so many years since I was little. And I just cried like a baby. About 20 minutes later, I composed myself enough to say, well, I want to tell you what happened. I told her the story. And she was the beginning of what was going to change my life forever. The event did it. She was what helped me to embrace it. She became the glue. That made me say, yeah, this was real. This happened. And she would talk to me like that. No matter what anybody says, that was real to you. You either embrace that. Or you're going to go crazy and we're going to medicate you. Or 
let it go completely and then you're going to lose whatever you, you gain from that whatever mm. that spiritual gain that you had she taught me to keep one foot here and one foot there and that's how she described it. you got to be half of the time there half of the time here that great balance she was amazing amazing and then something happened and she had a we had it part ways but she put me with another therapist that was very open and I was able to accept what happened. This happened in 2000. Started painting in 2003 because I had to paint. And before I start painting, I'm saying, gosh, you don't know how to paint. You never painted in your life. I still can't do stick figures. I got a nine-year-old that paints like And I'm like, I can't keep up. I'm like, oh, gosh. But I get in the zone, and I could create images like that behind me. Beautiful. I had to do that. So I, I followed that blueprint, right? So I said, I got to start with a black background. And I got to start with a black background very simply because it said to me, everything that you know and see, creation happens in black, happens in what you think is empty. Look at the sky at night. That's a perfect example of it. And it's true. So I started with that premise. I had to have the four elements. So there's elements of fire, earth, air, and water in it. And I do that photographically. And uh, everything that it asked for is in there. I had a painting layer. So, and it explained to me, you're painting the way people are. So mm -hmm. when I'm five, I'm not the same as when I'm 10 or 15. And every time you paint the layer, you're going to ask yourself a question. Who are you? Who am I? Same thing I asked when I was dead. Who am I? That's me and I'm dead then. Who am I? Who would you say Jose is now? Well, I'm going to tell you who Jose is now. Jose was very restless. Mm. He was always trying to compete, always trying to get more, always trying to up the next person. Mm. Now Jose is very calm. I, I feel so grounded. Mm. I feel so like everything is the way it needs to be. Everything is right. I don't need to seek. I think... I found creation. And I use the word creation. Most people would say God, creator. I use the word creation because it's what's always happening. Mm -hmm. Even as we speak here, creation is happening. This world is moving around the sun, the moon's moving around us. All these things are moving in like in a beautiful dance, a graceful dance. And we're part of that dance. And I think I feel like I understand that process. So I feel really good. I feel good about life. I feel good about having this conversation with you. I feel good about all the people around me. I feel good about Mother Earth. I feel good about a tree. I feel good about all these crazy things that I never thought of before. I feel good about this. Because mm -hmm. I remember when I put it, air is an entity. Air is alive. Air is just wanting me to breathe it, mm -hmm. spend itself with me, it'll change, right? It causes out oxygen, it comes out as carbon dioxide. I find all these beautiful things in life that they do these things for us and they even change because of it. So I look at a tree, you look at a fruit tree, she grows all this fruit, she doesn't eat that fruit. The fruit is for us. And hopefully we'll save some of it so we can have more trees because then there are her seeds. You know what I like to tell people? I said, 
I don't know if you believe in God or whatever. Yeah. yeah. The God of your belief, or I, I believe in creator, same thing. They're all the same thing to me. But I look at them and I say, could you imagine an energy that takes billions of years to make this planet for us wow. and to make all these things on it for us so that we could actually live here? Mm. All those years that it took. And here we are, and 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 we we seldom see a tree. There could be a hundred of them in front of us, but we're worried about other things, right? Mm. And I tell them, you know, there's just so much perfection. Because everything had to really be perfect. So if we could be here, everything had to be perfect. You know, we had to be able to have everything that's here. Otherwise, we, we wouldn't be here. And I think when people understand that, maybe I hope it changes something in them a little bit and they become more appreciative. Yeah. You know, you have a lot of stuff. You have air, you have the sun, you have all these beautiful plants all around us, you have all these animals. It's just grace. And then you have your own. We have our skin, we have our body, mm. you know, and uh, it takes us where we want to go. That's true. You know? So yeah. I, I, I just look at us being so blessed and life so beautiful. Yeah. Amen. That uh, I, I find it difficult. You know, I know it's going to be hard patches. We all have them. But we always get past them. It's like, you know, that, that old show, Annie, the yeah. sun will come up tomorrow. It, it will. Oh, sounds lovely. And if we look at it from that perspective, yes, it's hard right now, but it's get better. And we get past things. When we're doing a wedding or a birth or something like that is happening, you have all that anticipation and you wait. Yeah. But when something bad is happening, it also comes to an end. Mm, that's true. You know, everything, everything ends. That's and so uh, I think if we look at it like when this ends, I just gotta get past it. So I had to get past my dying so I could live. Mm. You know, what, what dying taught me was to be alive. Yeah. yeah. To feel that I, energy, to feel that vibrancy. Yeah. I feel like this is, this is your true self. This is your true self. I feel like the person yeah. prior to the experience was, was a completely different person. And now yeah, you're living your authentic self, like your 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 yeah. real life. It it was an unreal life. Mm. It's it's like I was running and running yeah. and running, and I never stopped to take a breath. And when I died, it was like it was like a long stop. Mm. And I got to really look out the window and see what was there, you know, and all the little things. Yeah. Because all the little things make up 99% of our life. Just learn to be there with that. Mm. You know, when I died, I lost my sense of smell. I have a, a memory. So if I think of coffee, mm. I have a memory of the aroma. And when I think of a flower, I have the memory of the aroma. Mm. And how beautiful it is to smell. I don't regret that I lost it. I don't feel bad that I lost it. It's part of, I look at it as, it's something that maybe I had to give up to come back. Mm. But uh, to be able to see 
your loved ones, to be able to participate with them, to be able to hold them. Uh, it's just so much magic. There's so much magic there. And uh, the good news is that I'm appreciating it now. But you were right before it would have been like, I would have been too busy. Mm. You know, that I, I think what I learned was to be alive. Yeah. You know, I learned to be alive. Um, Amazing. You know, breathe it. Be in it. It's for us. You know, the sun rises, the sun sets. You know, you have all these beautiful colors in the sky. You have all these beautiful colors on Mother Earth. You have so much. Birds are singing. There's so much activity going on, you know. And uh, one time I was in a traffic jam in Miami. Miami's like a parking lot when, when the traffic hits 95. And uh, I got a flat tire. And I was late for work. And I got in like 45 minutes late. And I'll never forget how that flat tire and all that made my day miserable. The whole day was like, it was, I couldn't let go of that flat tire. Like, oh, how did I get that flat tire? Right, the timing was, and uh, flash forward a few years after my near-death experience, I'm on the same 95, I get a flat tire and I'm just listening to the birds. Wow, completely different perspective of life. Yeah. And, and just, yeah, it's beautiful. It's a moment to stop. I can hear the birds. The flat tire, you're going to change and you're going to be okay. You know, it's not like a yeah. big deal. And uh, you take the drama out of that mm. and the frustration and the anger. And all of a sudden, you know, I was, it was still, it was, you know, not too quiet because there were a lot of cars there, but uh, you, you kind of hang on to that moment and all of a sudden, it's okay to have a flat tire. Yeah. I've experienced something very similar. Oh, it's, it's, it's amazing how things work out because I've experienced a flat tire and automatically I thought, thank you, God. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't be. And I was just about to drive through the motorway and I was like, I, I shouldn't be driving through the motorway at that time because anything could have happened. So at that point of time, I was so grateful that I experienced a flat tire, so it's protection. The way I see life now is like, whether it's good or bad, I'm still grateful because I know deep down inside, it's part of my journey and it's happening for a reason. It depends on how I choose to see it. So whatever happens in life, I always focus on the positive side of it. There's a reason for me going through that experience. It's for the greater good. I, I believe that now. Yeah. Nothing happens by chance. Everything, no. is, everything is relevant, everything's important. What I've learned or what I feel about life right now is that every moment is important. You know, I don't know how many minutes I got left. Mm. So take that in, take it in. You know, if, if, if you have to stop somewhere, just look at whatever's out there. There's always beauty. There's beauty everywhere. Yeah. Stop looking at what's wrong with everything and try to look at what's right. Oh, Jersey, yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and that's what we do with ourselves. We always look at what's wrong with me. I look in the mirror, what's wrong with me? Mm. How could I look better? That are saying, thank you, God, for making me the way you did and uh, and feel good about it. That's true. And the way, the way I see it is, is when we're grateful for the things we have, we receive more things to be grateful for. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It, it's kind of strange how that works. 
right? There's like some kind of a magical connection that if you think good thoughts, yeah, good things begin to come your way. If you're stuck in a like, oh man, nothing good happens to me, everything's always wrong. Even if an opportunity is coming, instead of thinking, oh gosh, I got a great opportunity, you're like, oh, is it gonna happen? I think it's gonna fail. It, it, it never happens. And I, I think that way of thinking is really important to the outcome. Mm. Yeah. So if you think, yay, this is good, the outcome is probably gonna be better than if you think, this is good, but I don't think it's gonna happen. Mm. Why, you know? why do you and, think that is, Shruti? Do you think, do you think it's because of the energy that we're putting out there? So we're, we're automatically attracting positivity because we're thinking positive thoughts? Well, you know, I think it's a good question to ask because I think I'm like a little black hole. I think we're all like little black holes. We pull everything to us. Mm. So I'll give you an example. Light comes to me. Sound yeah. comes to me. Yeah. I don't go to it. It comes to me. Yeah. And uh, it, it's interesting because I think that's, if I feel positive, I'm going to attract those positive things. Mm. You know, if I feel negative, then I'm going to attract negative things. You know, and, and I, I think those energies exist. Yeah. You know, and I think negative energy is, is man-made. Mm. We create it, you know, because when I was on the other side, nothing bad could move with me. So there was a moment that I was being like, I felt it was a bit painful because I felt like something being ripped off of me. Mm. And I remember the explanation was nothing painful or hurtful can come with you. Nothing. You have to be pure to come into yes. place. And, and that's why I think it's so filled with love and and this great sense of peace and calm and, and uh, acceptance. Yeah, so do, do you think that was like all the, the negativity being ripped off of you? Yeah, it was. Wow. I mean, it was just said to me that that can't come with you. It has to yeah. be ripped yeah. off. So envy, anger, mm. frustration, fear, you know, uh, minimizing yourself. Mm. Now we, we have to look through a different lens when we're there. And that lens is perfection. Yeah. And uh, when you're in, in that perfect space and you're, you, you have to be perfect to be there. That's why I tell people to make happy thoughts. Yeah. If you make happy thoughts, you could take them with you. Mm -hmm. If you're mired in bad thoughts all the time, like everything's bad, the world's gonna end, everything's against you, everything's so unfair, then you can't take none of that with you. You're not making anything that you're gonna be able to value there. That's true. Let's all make happy thoughts. Yes, that's it. I love it. <laughs> I look at life like that. Yeah. I could look at it through a beautiful lens and everything's good. Cloudy. It's cloudy. It needs to be cloudy mm. today. Tomorrow the sun will be out. It's going to be cold. Yeah, it's going to be cold, but then spring will come and so will the summer. And I learned to find beauty in everything. It just shows that everything is a gift, isn't it? Everything in life is a gift. Yeah including this, mm. you know, this vessel, no matter what it looks like, it's only for you. You're the only one that could have it. Mm. No one else could have been in that body. Perfection. Wow. So how did your, your family react after the experience? Well, you said everything changed. How was family life like? difficult they thought mm. I was crazy mm. 
I mean, it's been a while, but I think my older children still kind of every once in a while say, where's the old Joe? Wow. Uh, my wife became my ex-wife. We separated. I met Anastasia. Anastasia is very spiritual. Mm. So that helps a lot. You know, but uh, it's not easy. It's not an easy road. They're very isolated. For years, I felt like I was a spectator. So what I mean by that is life is happening out here mm. and I'm separated from it somehow. Like there's a bubble, a, a bubble around me that doesn't let me really interact with anything. I felt so displaced, so alone. I didn't know about near death. Mm. You know, I, I thought I was the only one that had that experience. That's wild, but I thought that. Oh, that's why it's it's so important, Jose, for, for people to share their stories, you know, for other people to resonate with it. Because if we just keep our stories inside, you go through things in life, and you think, oh, it's only you. But then you don't know that there, there, there are so many similarities and so many different people's stories. Oh my you know, God, yes. it's, it's, it's just incredible that you could take parts from, from different people and be like, that person went through what I went through, that person went, what well, it just shows again, coming back to us being connected, that we're mm -hmm. more similar than, than what we think. Yeah, and that ha when that happens, you feel alone. It happened to me when I died. I said, oh, nobody else, nobody else had that experience. God. I, I'm crazy. And I felt so isolated yeah. that I could be having dinner with my family and I felt like I was in another room. Mm. And they were all participating. I would talk but I wasn't like really participating. I wasn't there. Yeah. That's why I went to get mental health. I was like, man, I messed up. God. But I know what you mean. And, and we create that isolation by feeling we're alone. We're the only one, you know? Oh. So many women have been abused and hurt. Mm, yes. And they know they're not the only one, but they need to speak to it. Yes. Speak. When you put words to something, it gives it, you, you empower. Yes. And that's the only way you could heal by speaking yeah. about it by you know otherwise it, it just turns into trauma isn't it and then oh, some God. people they, they live their lives that way for for years and years it's like it festers oh literally and then it's like it started this little now it's like this big oh. now you can't control it anymore now you call for help but a lot of times it's so late in the game mm. wow. you know you got to get to it quick that's why I love what I do. Because when people go to mindfulness practice, they go like, you'll come and you'll say, oh, Jose. And I'll say, how do you feel? You say, oh, I feel good. I'm ready. All right. Why are you here? Well, I just want to experience this or whatever. I want to continue my growth. You hear that a lot. Mm -hmm. They finish. And now they're like, oh, how do you feel? Man, didn't realize that happened to me. Now I, and you're, you're changing their life in a good way because now they're aware of it. But what does that mean? That means that now you could address this issue before it's festered and turn into something like so mm. good. You could catch it way early, you know. So people that have like suicidal ideology, for example, you get I get in this practice I've had at least 20. But now I recommend them to go to someone, and that person is addressing that right here, mm. right now, before. Yes you're ready to put a knife to your wrist or, or take that bottle of pills or whatever, right? And I look at it as like uh, preventative. Yes, that's it. 
kind of like exercising. You exercise so you, you stay limber and stuff, right? You take vitamins so you stay healthy. Before you get sick, you want to... And that's how I look at that. That's, that's what it is. And I think there, there's so much available to people. And then we're also magical. You know, because I know when those when we do this in a group, we do it in a group. Yeah. People share. When you share in a group, it really empowers you. And then the other people that are there are like, wow. So sometimes I feel like what happened to me is this, nothing. Mm. And we seldom hear them. Because you're right. When we start to tell these stories, people are going to say, ah, that's BS. It's a movie. You should write a movie. But life is stranger than fiction, like they say. Yes. So true. So many magical things happen in life. You're like, how do I put this anywhere? Nothing surprises me. Mm. Especially when we think about good things. Some bad things still surprise me. But nothing good surprises me. Because there's so much good out there. Yes. So it's been a blessing. You know, and the paintings are a blessing because they heal so many people. And I was able to start a practice. Not my practice. So when I look at that painting, it's not my painting. That's from the creator. That's from God. God allows us to do this. And then what happens when we do this is it stays here. And the practices uh, opens you up. It creates what we call breakthroughs and, and trust. And at the end of the day, you might cry a little, but it's like coming out on the other side. So that, I use the art to take you on that journey. So the idea is I, I'm here, but if I move through that and I'm in there, cause I see myself in there and I go to the other side as a witness, as a spectator, not as someone that's re-experiencing like my life events and stuff, how life altering that is. And I've had the experience of working with so many people and touching lives. The thing about it is when you touch somebody's life, you feel so small. You think you would feel like, oh, it feels so good, but you feel so small and so humble and so grateful. I just love that feeling. Just makes me feel so good to know that you feel better, that maybe this little shift here in five years will change your life and put you in a much better place. And you pray for that. And, and we use the, the term with thoughts and stuff like that. And that, that practice is like that. It does that. And it, I tell people to be like water. Mm. Water is one of the four elements in our culture. But water is the humble element. Water, one drop at a time fills an ocean. And it fills that ocean from the bottom up, not from the top down. There's no ego. There's nothing. It wants to be at the lowest point. And in our culture, water is very, not only cleansing, but it knows everything about you. It knows all your secrets. So you can't hide from water. And that's why when we bathe, we imagine that it's taking whatever we're letting go of and it's just removing it because it knows it there anyway. It knows what to remove. It has so much power and yet it's so humble. 
So I look at water like that. And, and I think that's kind of like how we need to be. And then the other thing, which is in my culture, we have a term that says all my relations. What that means, Rebecca, is that you and I are connected forever. Mm -hmm. We met, we're connected forever. I can never take you out of my life, nor you I. These people that hear our voice will always be connected to you. And uh, it, it, it's easy to see it this way. So you walk into a bus and there are 200 people, 100 people in the subway. You don't know them. You don't have to even look at them. You don't, but you are connected forever. And it's relevant that they came into your life. So it speaks to what we were just talking about, how everything is so important. You know, it's when we take a step and there are 100 worms underneath our foot if we're in a forest. There has to be those hundred rooms underneath your foot. Mm -hmm. There's like something that creates this perfection, this, this this magic that it interconnects us. Yeah. And we think of interconnectivity and being one. Everybody talks about it, or a lot of people talk about it. Understanding what that means is something else. Because mm -hmm. we're one with all these things. The more we get caught up with life, the more we close that down. Mm. you know so you need to take that deep breath and and think what is your relationship with everything around you when you're out in nature what is your relationship with the trees the air the birds the, the animals underneath the ground the animals in the, in, in, the, in the seas the lakes everything that's around you is filled with life what is your relationship with it and in my mind we're related no, I feel, I feel like what you just said there is so significant, especially during these times, because it, it seems like the world is becoming so disconnected. <laughs> you know, it's easy to become disconnected. And I'm going to tell you why. When I'm in my body, mm. I feel like I'm separate from everything. I got to reach out to touch this. I got to reach out to touch that. I'm separate. Mm. I feel separate. When I was dead, I didn't feel separate. Wow. I was a part of everything. I, I thought that interconnectivity, that oneness was only when I was there. I went to a sweat and we're waiting to go in the sweat. I got stung by a bee. My thigh, my left thigh. And I'm like, oh man, I'm allergic to bees. Mm. So I think I'm gonna swell up. I'm gonna hold my thigh swelling up almost like right away, right? And I looked at an elder and I said, I got to go. I got to get to the hospital because I got stung by a bee. He looked at me and said, what? Just take a deep breath and relax. I said, no, you don't get it. I don't have my EpiPen. I'm allergic. My legs are already swelling up. I got to get to a hospital. And then I'm thinking, by the time I get to my car, because the sweat is pretty desert. You have to be by water. Mm -hmm. So there's a creek nearby and it's pretty away from things. By the time I get to the hospital, I'll never get there. So I start looking up at the sky and I said, that's a beautiful blue sky. Look at the clouds, it's a nice breeze. I can hear the leaves talking, like rustling. To me, they're talking. I can hear the creek, that beautiful sound of that water running, humming. And I'm looking at the ground and I said, you know what? It's a beautiful place to die. And I'm thinking I'm gonna die there. The elder looked at me and said, wait a minute. He went to a bush, he took four leaves, and this thing was full of spider webs and everything. And I'm looking at it like he says, here, take that. And I, I said, you don't get it. I'm already struggling with an allergic reaction. Anyway, they chew this, 
gonna get sticky when it gets sticky, put it on your thigh, on the bite. I'm looking at the spider web on there, I'm saying, oh my gosh, it doesn't matter, I'm not gonna survive this anyway. So I put it in my mouth, I chewed it. Mm. And it got sticky and I put it on my thigh and instantly the burning was, burning was going down. And we went in the sweat, I was able to actually do the sweat. I come out and he sat next to me, he looked at me, he said, well, what did you learn? Looking at this guy like, what? I don't get it. I think you're gonna have to help me with this one, right? So he said to me, think about it. That bee made a pact. We don't know what it will create her. To sting you there and die. You're gonna do this life. Mother Earth knew you were gonna be here. I knew you were gonna be here. Everybody that's here knew you were gonna be here, even though we didn't. And here we all are. And that bush knew you were gonna be here. So that bush said, I have to grow here. Mm -hmm. So that I can go over there and take those four leaves so I can give it to you. So you can chew it and have it happen. Then he asked me this question. Do you understand what that means? And I'm thinking, what? And he said, you see how everything is one? Everything had an awareness of this moment. Everything has an, aware an awareness of every moment. Mm -hmm. And it just made me say, wow, it's real. Mm -hmm. It's real here. And I was so grateful to that beat, even though I was a little traumatized for a second. I was like, oh, man. But so grateful for that beat because it taught me that lesson. So that interconnectivity exists here. And now we're struggling with a lot of issues that are social, that are about justice, that are about how we feel about each other's, you know, it, it, it boils down sometimes even to skin, mm -hmm. culture. They're not different. Yeah. You know, when I sit down with a group and I do the inner immersion practice, first thing I tell them is, do you realize how much like me you are? Because we do almost everything the same. We got to eat, breathe, we wear clothes, we, we paint, we hear music. We do more things in common than we don't. Yes. In fact, there's very few things that we don't have in common. You know, maybe I like this kind of movie, I, you like that kind of movie, but we still like movies. Mm. And uh, so I think we're in, a, we're in a rough patch now. People are feeling threatened and they're feeling threatened because they feel they're going to lose something. Mm. And they think they're going to lose something that they own. And they don't own it. You know, I, I think there's too much about me mm -hmm. and not enough about us. Yes, 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 yes. So, so I think that's the problem. And there's so many people like yourself that are working, that are addressing the issue from a different perspective. Mm. And that's this perspective that we're talking about here. You know, it's okay to be kind. If you have 10 bucks, it's okay to give that guy five bucks because he hasn't eaten in a week. And a lot of people won't give that guy five bucks because they'll be afraid of them all. Oh, he's on drugs. Why he's on drugs? It's a choice. And yeah, a lot of things happen in life. But I, I'm certain that that guy, when he was eight years old, wasn't saying, I'm going to be a drug addict or I'm going to be homeless. He was thinking like I was thinking, I want to be a teacher. I want to be a fireman. I want to be an engineer. I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a nurse. I want to be a doctor. They were thinking the same things we think. 
you know, and we find it difficult to be kind sometimes. It hurts me that people can be that way, mm. you know. I pray that through your word, maybe mine a little bit, we, we reach a few people and mm. they kind of go, wait a minute, maybe there's something else. Maybe there's something more here. Amazing. There's something that you said, Jose. It was, we never really appreciate what's good about us. What would you say you appreciate the most now? You know, I'm going to be dead honest with you. I appreciate everything about me, how I look, how I feel. Because I got to be honest, when I was younger, I used to look in the mirror and say, oh my God, look at Jesus. You're ugly. Why would anybody like you? You're no good. You're not good enough. And it created this thing, right? I had to prove to myself that I was good enough. And how did I do that? Well, I'm going to do what my father did. He had like a girlfriend everywhere. So I, I, I kind of began, began to do what he did. And then it was like a sense of a triumph for a minute. Oh, I got this woman. I'm with this woman. And then like a failure after like, oh man, I just never felt adequate. I never felt good. And I think I hurt a lot of people on the way. Mm. Trying to make myself feel good. Trying to make myself feel like I had value. Like there was something about me that was had value. And I feel this is where my value is. Talking real. We don't talk real. We hide, mm. we wear masks. When I do an immersion, the goal is take your mask off, man. I'm gonna talk to you from my heart. I'm gonna tell you real stuff. You tell me real stuff. And then the, it's simple. If you BS, you don't BS me. Whenever we BS, we're only BSing ourselves. Yeah. I feel free. Yeah. I, I can I feel, no I can feel it from you. Yeah, I, can't, I don't have shackles. <laughs> I feel like, I know what I can't do and it's okay. Yes. I accept that. You know, I know what I want and I don't want a lot because I know I got mostly what I need. Mm. I just feel grateful. Even to be on your show, there's something humbling about talking to someone that's real. Oh, oh thank you. It, it, it makes you feel good. It makes you feel emotional. And you're like, yeah, you know, and this is what life is. Where I am, I just feel, I'm not going to say carefree because I care, but just free. Yeah. I'm free That's of amazing. limitations. I'm free of, remember growing up, always competing with guys and why? You're you, I'm me. We're different mm. and we're the same. So I think I, I'm going to put it in, in one word, acceptance. Yeah. I accepted who I am and I'm good with it. And that makes me feel so calm. Like I feel right here. I feel this like calmness. Mm. Perfection. I know I can't lift 500 pounds. I know I can't lift 100 pounds anymore. I used to. There's a lot of things I can't do. And you know what? It's okay. Yeah. It's but we like to look at what's wrong with everything. Oh, this is wrong with that. That's wrong with that. That's wrong with this. Yeah. 
you know, I, I think everything's going to find a balance. And mm. I think because of people like yourself, Rebecca, the world's going to change. Oh, amen. I think there's an uptick. Mm. You know, I know it looks really chaotic. There's a lot of stress out right out there. There's a lot of like fighting about what? Really, what are we fighting about? You know, one day the mm. world will be sharing everything. Amen. It'll be like Amen. one giant kitchen and we're all cooking to feed each other and Amen. we're all growing food together and mm. we don't even have to worry about buying it because we're going to share it. Mm. There won't be Amen. anybody hungry. Amen. Yes. And that's the vision. Amen. And you hang on to that and you never know. This little show of yours, and I don't know how, maybe it's a big show, is touching a lot of people and maybe they go, yeah, maybe that's a good way of thinking. Yeah, I say take a piece of this art home, put it there, relax. This is what the world is about. Let's be one. We are Amen. one. We are. I know that somewhere <laughs> in my past, I am connected to you and I am connected to everybody out there. I don't care what color they are, where they're from. We all came from one source. It's true. Oh, God. <laughs> and, and, you are so special. Oh, goodness. You're really special. Oh, likewise, I was like. There's I have so a many lot of people hope. <laughs> yeah, likewise, likewise. I have a lot of hope. Likewise, I would say likewise. There's so many people that have so much light, but then they're unaware that they have that light. It's been dimmed by society. And they think they're not good enough when <sighs> and they're afraid they're gonna lose something. What can you lose? Exactly. That's so amazing. You know if you got 20 <laughs> pairs of shoes, how many can you wear at one time? <laughs> so if I give up five of them, I still got 15. And I could help somebody that doesn't have a pair. I think the world will get there. I'm so hopeful. Likewise. And and I think that experience, <sighs> I I don't wish it on others. Mm. It's not easy. But if they could listen to the word, <sighs> and they have that inside of them, mm. you know, we don't lose anything. That's this true. person is always in you. Mm. It's life hurt me here so I'm going to put a wall here and I'm going to hide that and life hurt me here and I don't want to do that anymore wow. and man I feel like if I have all this stuff you know uh, it's like when something happens right a, a, a storm was coming to Florida a hurricane mm. and you would go to the supermarket and it's empty and I'm thinking well why don't they just buy two or three so they will get past in a week and then somebody else could buy two or three but they feel like they need to have all this and then a lot of it gets wasted. It's fear. Mm. You know, if we look at life through the lens of love. Yes. And fear is not real. It's true. Life yes. doesn't own you. Yes. You own life. Oh, yes, Jose. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you own it. it. Take you it. Live it. Yes. Embrace it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, that is great. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> yes. 
Exactly. It's simple, right? So simple. So simple. <laughs> oh my God. It is so simple. It's it's so simple, I was a to the extreme that people tend to overcomplicate it. Exactly. <laughs> we we like to make things difficult. Seriously. When, when you're in science, everything has to be like a certain thing and it has to be a certain way. Oh my God. Man, forget all that. Forget. Yes, I understand physics. I understand a lot of things, but life is not a complex thing. We live, we love, we make memories. Only thing I keep. And then yes. knowing that, what kind of memories do I want to make? You know, it's all perspective. You know, and and I I think that through art, through words, through music, through a lot of these uh, modalities like that, mindfulness practices, shows like this, you know, the word is getting out there, and slowly the world will change. You know, it it's too much suffering. Too much, way too much. Yeah, way too there's much. Too, and there's plenty. There is. So your show, there's, <laughs> there's, there's others. There are a lot of good people out there. And we want to move on with feeling good. Yeah, feeling good, feeling great. Feeling good. Having, feeling good. Having, having a pure heart. Yeah, here's life. You're born with a gas tank filled mm. with love. I tell this to people all the time. Your job, empty that tank out here. Mm. Empty your tank out here. That's why God gave it to you. You don't say, here, I'm going to fill this tank up with love so you can bring it back. I want you to leave it here. And uh, he or she, whatever God is, I, I don't know. And uh, I I just look at life from, from a very simplistic way. Enjoy that tree. God put that tree there. Yeah. Enjoy the birds. Enjoy the sky. Enjoy the night. Enjoy the day. Enjoy everything. I think life is simple. It is. And beautiful people like yourself. Likewise. Make that obvious. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You honored me. <laughs> I, I am so grateful to be on your show. And I know that you're going to help a lot of people. Oh, thank you, Jose. That thank makes me feel good. Voice. And I hope maybe hearing my voice might help one or two lives and Amen. put people on yeah. a, what we call the red road or a good path. Amen. And Amen. Uh, change their life in a good way. Amen. You know? Amen. Amazing. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for, oh. for all of this and the opportunity. Oh, you're so incredible. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for, for sharing your journey and, and helping people, especially with in immersion and what you're doing for thousands of people who are, well, whether they're, they're, they're currently going through the same or going through mental health issues. I feel like loads of people, they, they need this because there's so much power. There's so much healing power in art alone. And the fact that you're helping thousands of people, it's just incredible. Thank you, Jose. It's amazing. It's, it, it's a gift. You're helping thousands of people. You, it's a gift. It's, 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 and it's not even us. Mm -hmm. I'm just like holding created hands. We all are, and saying, "Okay, hold your hand." It's true. Creator doesn't belong to me. Mm -hmm. it's and, and, and the more hands we hold, the more hands we touch. More souls. Yes. Life doesn't own you, yes. you own life.